Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Roto World Football Show. I am Patrick Doherty, joined today by a man you may have heard of. It's not Denny Carter. It is Matthew Barry. We're so thrilled to have him, not just at NBC and Roto World, but on today's show. You also see him on the Roto World Draft Guide special coming up immediately after this. Matthew, as someone who's been in the spotlight for literally decades now, you're used to commotion, you're used to hubbub, used to hoopla. But, uh, man, I would have to assume the past couple of weeks have had to rank right up there. Just take us through, like, what this has been like, you know, the transition coming back to NBC. What a, what a couple of weeks it's been. It's been overwhelming. It was unexpected. You know, uh, it happened suddenly. I, I had been talking with uh, ESPN potentially about an extension. Um, uh, we weren't able to come to an agreement. We uh, Nothing bad to say about my time there. But you know, it became clear that it was time to sort of move on. And, and, um, you know, I thanked them for their offer, but, you know, uh, politely said, you know what, I think it, I think it's time. And so we parted friends, as I said to a lot of people internally there, Hey, I'm leaving with hugs and handshakes. And, um, so it was great. And then they were great to me, right? I mean, they gave me last show and, and the release they said about me was very nice as well. So very amicable parting of the ways between myself and ESPN. And then you put it out there and you're not sure will anyone care? Like what's, you know, like, <laughs> they I, don't, cared. I don't know what the reaction is. And um, as I said to my wife, I said, wow, this is, uh, this was very cool to be trending on Twitter and not be dead. <laughs> that was, or, or no, uh, you not be horribly wrong about something right. like, or right. Or not be canceled. Right. Yeah, That's yeah, the exactly. other thing is that I haven't done something, you know, unspeakably awful. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I released it. And then honestly, the reaction from the community, from my fans, from ESPN fans, from the fantasy uh, world, like I couldn't have written it better myself. Unbe- you know, unbelievably, overwhelmingly positive and thoughtful and kind and sweet. And I still, I mean, I- I've never experienced that. My phone blew up in a way that I never thought. I mean, I still have about 50 texts that I haven't <laughs> responded to. Like, it, it, like seriously, like every night I, I try to get to like 10 to 12 texts. Like, and I'm like, I'm not just like, thanks, thanks. Like I'm, I'm giving a thoughtful reply to everyone, but like, you know, between DMs and tweets and, and Instagram posts and texts, it's just been overwhelming. And then, so that was crazy and, and nerve wracking and scary because I'd been there for 15 years. But uh, but then, you know, the opportunity to come home to Roto World, uh, there were a couple of things that were really important to me. Number one is, is that uh, I wanted to bring Roto World back. It's obviously, it's a place where I started. It's a brand that I believe in, that I care about. And as I started having conversations with the NBC brass, I said, 
we should bring Roto World back. People in the fantasy community love the brand Roto World. They associate. There's been so many great analysts that have come through the halls of Roto World, and um, so uh, I was um, that was awesome that they were amenable to that. So Roto World's back, and it's coming back in a big way, and it's going to be back even bigger as we continue to go through this football season in 2023. And then the other thing that was important to me, Pat, you know, I always try to um, try to push the ball forward to to use another analogy, right? I, I always try to push the ball forward for the fantasy community in the industry. And you've done it, an amazing it, job of that. Well, thank you. You're very kind. But what I, um, it's, it's certainly that I, something that I, you know, intentional and I think a lot about. And one thing that I thought that still hadn't happened yet, and I thought I had an opportunity here, kind of a moment in time to try to push the ball forward here is we haven't had anyone that does fantasy analysis on a regular basis on an NFL pregame show that's part of, you know, there's six NFL partners, right? It's 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 us, CBS, uh, Fox, Amazon, and ESPN. Um, and, uh, and so, uh, you know, between um, – and there just is not a fantasy and NFL network, I suppose, right? And and so uh, there's there's just hasn't been anyone uh, part of NFL coverage. Uh, you're on an NFL pregame show. Literally, you're going to see fantasy, and then you're going to actually see the game. And so when when NBC offered me the opportunity to join the cast of Football Night in America, <laughs> not only not only not only you know part of NFL coverage, but literally the NFL coverage, right? Yes. The number one studio show in all of America the second highest rated show in all of television, second only to the actual game. No pressure. No brainer. Yeah, I mean, tons <laughs> of pressure. I, mean, I, was, I was nervous for the first, first time in 15 years, you know, when I did the Hall of Fame game with Chris Sims. You know, thrilled to be here. Legit doing backflips. Yeah, you talk about, like, text threads blowing up. When you were on, you know, NBC, like, the real NBC holding up our magazine, uh, I had several text threads blowing up. Like, there's the magazine on NBC. Like, and like you said, NBC has been very supportive of fantasy. Oh yeah, but but no one had ever yet gotten to that level. Like, no, we haven't had anyone on a show. So we have never had someone quite literally holding up our magazine. It's just an amazing moment. It's just the first of many moments. And yeah, it's funny you're talking about moving on from ESPN. Like you said, so many great people you worked with at ESPN. I mean, oh yeah, I'm friends with Mike Mike Clay and Field Yates. I'm sure the whole team's. Amazing, such an amazing group of people, still a great group of people. But you said, you know, it's time to move on. You get to move, it's, not many people get to move on to Sunday night football. <laughs> no, I mean, that's, I mean, that, and that was the thing is I felt like people saw me leaving ESPN and were probably like, why is he leaving? Um, wait, did he get pushed out? Like, is he a moron? Why, why would he do that? And, uh, you know, and so I think once people saw the NBC thing, they were kind of like, oh, Oh, okay. Now that's I get why. It. Now I get it. Now it makes sense. So I was I was definitely um, uh, happy with that as well. So Matt, you referenced you know your Roto World, your NBC history. I think a lot of people in the industry kind of knew the legend that Roto World was one of your first stops, but probably way more people out out there in the audience who didn't know that. You know, I knew that, but I didn't like really like know know the story. Like I still don't and. You just take us through your history with Roto World. Am I correct that you were hired by Matthew Pouliot? Um, you are absolutely correct, 100% correct. God bless Matthew Pouliot, FSWA Hall of Famer, a legend in his own right. True Matthew legend. Pouliot. So um, very simple story is in 1999, Man. You, uh, way back, 1999, Roto World was advertising for writers. This is back in the day of AOL, CompuServe, when, you know, like, you've got mail. Yeah, and that's pre-NBC Roto World, Pre-NBC Roto World, it was, you had to dial up, um, 
you had to literally dial up to get into the internet and like, you know, uh, I'm, all that, I'm dating myself here, but no, I quite literally just found some of those discs I moved in the past 18 months yeah. and somehow found some AOL discs, literally no idea how. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's right. It was, it's crazy to think about Pat. And then, uh, you know, so they were advertising for writers and, you know, again, this is back in the day when the internet wasn't prevalent like it is now. And you've got mail. Like it was a novel thing. Like, Ooh, I've got an email. This is cool. It's the most amazing thing in the world. Right. It was as opposed to now, (laughs) now where you're just sort of like, uh, you know, like another one. Uh. Um, and so, um, anyway, I emailed them, uh, and, uh, this is a part of, I usually tell this story, but this is the part of the story that I don't tell, but I will tell specifically here. So I emailed whatever jobs at rotoworld.com or whatever the email address was, no response. Email again, no response. Email a third time. And I'm like, hey, can you just reject me so I know somebody actually <laughs> read, it, read this? Because what I had said is like, look, I'm a professional writer living out here in Hollywood. I, I write for TV and movies. And... Um, I write for TV and movies, so I think I'm a pretty good writer, but I love fantasy sports. It is my passion. I'm in, you know, whatever, 8 billion leagues, and and can I, could I, I think it'd be so much fun. I saw that you're looking for writers. I think it'd be so much fun just to do a column on the side. Could I, could I send you a sample? Could I try out? Could I send you something and see what you think? No response, no response, 30 mil, like literally, please just tell me I'm, no, you're not interested, just so I know something's, again, no. But I read Matthew Puglioed every week. Matthew did a ton of work, and back in the day, Matthew Puglio was Roto World. I mean, it might as well have been MatthewPuglio.com. Like every post <laughs> of every player was Matthew Puglio. And so I would read I read him enough that he actually had his own email address at the bottom of his columns, like a hotmail address. <laughs> he you know, still has I, that. I, I, probably, I believe it. I believe it, knowing him. And uh, so anyway, I email the the hotmail email address, and I say, um, I'm saying like, hey man, like you know, this is who I am, like. I need some advice. Like no one's been answering me on this other email. Do you know anyone internally there? Not realizing that Matthew Puglio also ran the site in addition to writing everything on it. Like literally it was a one man band and he wrote me back and he said, listen, that, that inbox got so overwhelmed with applicants that I just haven't had a chance, chance to go through and sift through it. He goes, but, um, I looked you up on IMDB (laughs) That's a flex by the way. I don't write IMDB. Yeah. So he goes, I looked you up on IMDb. Married with children is my favorite show of all time. You're hired. (laughs) So because uh, Matthew Puglio liked Married with Children, I got a chance to write for a free uh, internet, low traffic (laughs) internet site. I got to, you know, like I didn't get any. They're like, there's no money, but, you know, knock yourself out. if you want to throw up a column and we'll see if you're any good. And um, anyway, so uh, the rest is history. So I am uh, forever indebted. To Matthew Puglio. And by the way, you know, my style, Pat, as you know, as anyone that's read me knows, it's still controversial, I think, but especially back in the day, really controversial because I was writing all about myself. I was writing these long, uh, you know, very egocentric, self-centric intros about myself, a lot of pop culture references, uh, definitely tried to push the envelope in my younger days in terms of, you know, jokes about dating or sex and pop culture and, um, uh, and the, the people that owned Roto World did not like me. Uh, they wanted to get rid of me. They did, they did not like me. They wanted to get rid of me. But uh, Matthew Puglio and Rick Wolf uh, fought for me. Uh, shout out to both of those gentlemen and uh, Rick Cordella as well. 
who started at Roto World with me. Shout out to all three of those gentlemen who uh, who believed in me and fought for me and kept me around. And uh, uh, I was at I was here at Roto World for four and a half years. And just the end of that is is in in 2004 I'd been writing for uh, four and a half years, close to five, with Roto World, and people were starting to make money on the internet. Blogs were starting to take off, and uh, there hadn't really been a blog in the fantasy space. But I thought, well, maybe I could. I developed a pretty good following at that point, and I felt like maybe I could make some extra money uh, on the side if I went out and started my own site. And so I talked with Roto World about it, and uh, they agreed to let me. I mean, you know, they, they weren't paying me very much. So they didn't have a choice. But, um, <laughs> but, but it was amicable. <laughs> but, yeah, but it was amicable, and basically. I kept writing for Roto World, but they linked to my new Talented Mr. Roto site from Roto World. And I built up a whole, you know, ecosystem there and that site and, you know, hired a bunch of people that uh, people that if you follow fantasy analysis, a lot of familiar names came through that site. And um, but, yeah, that was uh, so I was with Roto World, you know, in some way it Roto World was running the Talented Mr. Roto stuff, linking back to my site until 2007 when I ended up selling the website to ESPN. Man, there's a lot of crazy Roto World origin stories, but literally wrote for Married with Children is probably the craziest. And well, right. I guess I, I was not allowed to watch Married with Children, even though my dad watched it every week. So huh. uh, yeah, I, I so I don't I never got to, I don't know which episode you wrote because I never got I was not allowed to watch it. But uh, you know, Fox yeah. was very edgy in those days. Very I did get to watch The Simpsons. I somehow got my parents to allow me to watch go. The Simpsons. Yeah, I, I, well, I worked on 28 episodes of the show. I personally wrote five of them. And, uh, you know, I wrote the ones where Al was mean to his wife. <laughs> so, oh, wasn't that every episode, though? Every, there you uh, go. That's the joke, right? I mean, yeah. like, right. You know, he did not seem like a winning husband. Uh, I can't remember if he got redeemed ever, did he? <laughs> he didn't. He didn't. No, he didn't really ever get redeemed. The thing about Al was, and I think the reason that the, the show was so popular is that, no, Al was not a good husband, but Al was actually a good guy. You know, it was sort of like, um, I think he was very relatable in that. Um, because while Al was not a good guy, was not a good husband or a good person, no one on the show was. None of them were. That's like, true. I mean, you know, uh, Al was uh, Al was a complainer and and uh, you know didn't give any emotion or love to uh, to Peg, his wife, who was lazy and a shrew. And you know, the daughter Kelly was um, promiscuous, and uh, Bud was uh, weird, and um, you know, Bud was Bud. Anyway. Bud was Bud, and anyway, so like the, the the show had almost no redeemable characters, with the possible exception of Marcy, who was made to be the villain because she was actually a good person. She was the only so, good person, um, <laughs> right? So anyway, uh, a wonderful show, really really fun, and a brilliant cast. Yeah, I need to. I'm I'm 35. I need to ask my parents if I can finally watch it. I, I think, think they, you should send them a note. I think they might say Matthew Barry says yeah. it's time that I can watch. It is. It is time. Send them a. Send them an email on their AOL address. <laughs> yes, of course. No, they got it's sbcglobal.net. Okay, Come on, God, Matthew. Look at that. All right, good. And then they're gotten with the times. And it's time to talk a little football, I suppose. Matt, Matthew, we're finally entering the heart of the draft season. You and I, I'm sure we're getting you mentioned like everywhere you're getting congratulations texts. You know, this time of year, everyone's asking us about every player via text, via DM. You probably have people like driving in front of your house with a bullhorn. Like yeah, shouting things that you're in your house's general direction. Everyone wants to know about everybody. But there are always a few players, you know, who kind of rise above, become like the most talked about players this summer, either because they're hyped, either because they're injured or maybe coming back from injury. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on 
some of the players, you know, we've been getting the most questions on this summer and thought it made sense to start with, with JK Dobbins who yeah. I feel like everyone wants to know, can we trust JK Dobbins coming off the torn ACL? He was being drafted as a running back to seems like a kind of guy who could have running back one upside and an offense. We know wants to really recommit to the run, but the Ravens have really slow played his return. He's just cleared for individual drills last week. John Harbaugh just said today that he's quote kind of back on track and, what do you say when someone asks you if it's safe to draft J.K. Dobbins and trust him as an RB2? Um, I say that I don't know that it, I don't want to say that I don't think it's safe. But I also I also don't mind drafting him as an RB2 because I think, you know, all it takes with any player is one hit. I think there's so much to like about J.K. Dobbins that I think it's I think it's potentially worth the risk as long as you understand it's the risk. And the truth is is that I prefer him much prefer him as an RB two in a scenario where I haven't gone RB RB, you know, kind of thing. Like where you yes. where you've you've had you've gotten a tight end in the first or second rounds, or you've gotten a wide receiver or two. Like I much prefer him as an RB two, like in the late fourth, fifth, than right, you know, like so not all RB twos are created equal. Like, yeah, where, where you, maybe you've missed some of the safe RB twos, but you need more upside from your, your RB two. Right. So the concerns here for me are a few. Number one is is that is he going to stay healthy, right? You know, and and even if he's quote healthy, i.e., he's not on the physically unable to perform list, and he's not uh, starting the the year on uh, injured reserve or anything like that, is he healthy enough to get a decent workload, or do they ease him back into it? Does he still have his burst? You know, does sometimes it takes it it takes time. Now he got injured early in the season, so he's had a full year to recover. So that's great, and they you know Baltimore's a you know a very well run organization. So there's a lot of positives there. But out of the 15 games he played in 2020, he had one or fewer receptions in 10 of them. Like, I think people think he's more involved in the passing game than he is. I just don't think – we just haven't seen the Ravens really use running backs in the passing game the way a lot of other um, no. uh, teams do. And I don't know if that's an offensive skill, a scheme thing, whether it's a choice thing, or whether, honestly, Pat, it's just one of those things that, like, a lot of times when quarterbacks dump the ball off, it's because they're in trouble. And in Baltimore, when the quarterback's in trouble, Lamar Jackson just does six different insane juke moves. And He's got a better backup plan than most most quarterbacks do. Right. So that's there. There's there's a concern. There's a concern there. Having said that, we've seen the upside. Final six games of 2020. Right. Weeks 11 on. 17 points per game. He was the 11th best running back in fantasy on a points per game basis. He scored a rushing touchdown in all six games. He got he he got over 12 touches a game. So not even he didn't even get a full workload. So if he gets, you know, can he get that up to 15 touches a game? Um, because the problem is, is yes, they do want to go run heavy, but Gus Edwards is going to be there. Lamar Jackson is going to be there. They got they added Mike Davis for some depth as well. So I have him as a lower end RB two, just outside my top 20. I probably feel better about him as a flex, but the upside—the upside given that offense and his talent. Like, I mean, let's just like the guy can play. Yeah. So that's that's where I'm at on him. How about you? Yeah, we sound like we're pretty much on the same page. I've kind of like alternated the various spots in the RB eighteen to twenty four range. I'm kind of now at like twenty and twenty one, and like you said, like the risk is self evident. You know, when a guy it's been twelve months and they're still you know being kind of cagey and. It's weird. It's his third year in the league, and he only has 152 career touches. Like, even though we we know he's a super talented player, 
like you're kind of far along in your career. Like it's pretty scant resume still, but like you said, it's easy to forget how good he was down the stretch as a rookie in 2020. They were finally committing to him. You know, the Gus Edwards buzz has not been good. He, he's always been a coaching staff favorite, but his injury situation does, seems actually worse than J.K. Dobbins is. And you mentioned Mike Davis, but like, so like they made an addition in free agency in Mike Davis, and they made an addition in the draft in Tyler Beatty, who I loved at Mizzou. I've seen every game Tyler Beatty played, but I mean, I still view those moves really as a vote of confidence in J.K. Dobbins because they didn't go out and like make a splash signing, invest a day, day two pick and a running back where, and I think they're being so cagey, but John Harbaugh is always kind of opaque about everything. And he seems mostly on track to me. Like Jacob Dobbins himself, he always literally logging on to Twitter and being like, yeah, I'm hundred percent healthy. Like this is crazy. I want to play. Um, and even with the lack of check downs in this offense, just we, we know the Ravens, they, they can't have a repeat of last year where they're one of like the most pass heavy teams in the league. And I, I think there's more signs that they're going to, fully commit to J.K. Dobbins, then we should be worried about him. And just kind of an unusual amount of upside for someone in like that 18 to 24 range. A thousand percent, given the offense, given the scheme, the fit, given the talent. Like, I agree with you. If J.K. Dobbins doesn't take off this year, it is because of, it is one of two reasons. It is because either that the team doesn't want him to have a full workload because of either like, philosophy, you know, coaching philosophy or concerns about, you know, wanting to take it easy on him for a team that obviously has postseason aspirations, or it's just that um, uh, he the he's he's not healthy because on a you know on just a pure talent basis he's the best running back on the team and I don't think it's particularly close. No, right? it's not even close. No. Right, and, and so uh, so then it's then it's a matter of so we know he's got the talent. The truth is, the weird part is, is that uh, that the Ravens are so good at running the ball, and that scheme works so well, especially with Lamar Jackson, that he doesn't need to be good. I mean, you know, I'm going to talk about this. We got the draft show coming up here. I'm going to mention this. Like, did you know that? Like, uh, I think from uh, there was like a month there. I think starting in week 11, where Devontae Freeman was like a top 12 running back. <laughs> that, that sounds fake. Uh, Devontae Freeman, who was sitting <laughs> on his couch a year ago, Pat, who was like out of football. The ghost of Devontae Freeman was literally like a top 12 fantasy running back there for about a month. It was like, there was a couple random guys that were in there that were top 16. So my point is, is like they made Devontae Freeman work last year. They can sort of make almost anyone work. J Gus Edwards is a plotter. He's fine. You know? and he's coming like, off major injuries, coming off a torn ACL himself. But my point is, is they made Gus Edwards a thing for a while. Too, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Cause he's this kind of this plotting North South guy. And so there's a bit of like, in a weird way, J.K. Dobbins is a victim of his team because they are so good at just literally anyone with a pulse can produce behind the Ravens' offensive line and with Lamar Jackson, a quarterback. But, yes, like, we agree that the ceiling on Dobbins is phenomenal. Yeah, at one point you were kind of hinting at there is that some of these really run-heavy teams just philosophically want to run several guys just to kind of keep them fresh, but – there's just no one. This is where all the ceiling resides in this backfield. It's J.K. Yep. Dobbins. And like you said, it's a kind of offense where, like, if you're slightly above average back, you can average over five yards per carry, even if you're not good. J.K. Dobbins averaged over six yards per carry as a rookie. It's like the offensive line, the offensive philosophy, like, by itself kind of gets you four yards per carry. And there's just, yeah, just, I repeat the same line I just said, but an unusual amount of upside yep. for some, someone in that RB 18 to 24 range. Someone that I think probably has an unusual amount of upside 
as a wide receiver too is Gabriel Davis, but he's kind of the classic. He could be a guy we're getting out over our skis on or a guy where we love so many high, highlight reel plays, but the overall re- overall resume is still, you know, it's not complete basically. Uh, there's, there's so much to be in love with, but we're still taking a bit of a leap of faith treating Gabriel Davis as maybe a wide receiver too. And everyone wants to know about Gabriel Davis. What is your Gabriel Davis spiel? So I'm all in on Gabriel Davis. Like I, to me, the question, the much bigger question, I think, and you sort of hinted at this as well, Pat, is does he return value? I, I, there's no question in my mind that if Gabriel Davis is healthy, he's going to have a good year. Will he have a year that's a top 23 wide receiver year, which I think is where he's going on Yahoo right now is like wide receiver 22, 23, something of like that. So that's a pretty high price to your point, a, a guy that doesn't have a lot on his resume other than one insane playoff game that everyone in the world watched. Uh, having said that, I'm a believer. I'm all in. So I did my 100 facts column. So just a shout out. Uh, if you haven't read it yet, please do. 100 facts uh, you need to know before you draft, which is on NBCSportsEdge.com and RotorWorld.com right now. But here's what I would say. And this is part of what I put in that column. 186 targets. Manuel Sanders and Cole Beasley. Man. A 33% target share last year. 186 targets are now up for grabs. Yes, they signed Jamison Crowder. Yes, we expect a bigger role for Isaiah McKenzie. James Cook in the passing game as well. We expect, you know, not all 186 targets to go to Gabriel Davis, but that's okay. He doesn't need all 186 targets to be really, really productive. Here's what's crazy to me. Last year, Gabriel Davis was 98th. 98th in targets among wide receivers. Like there were almost 100 players who got more targets than Gabriel Davis. There were 11 different games last year in which he ran 20 or less routes. So the majority of the games last year, Gabriel Davis just wasn't on the field. And yet, despite being 98th in targets, despite all those games where he ran so few routes, he was still top five in the NFL in end zone targets among wide receivers. Think about yeah, that. That's right? insane. I mean, like got, with all the weapons they had and how little he was on the field, he still managed to get enough end zone targets that he was top five among wide receivers. And now Sanders, Beasley, all these guys are gone. You have Dawson Knox back. Okay, fine. But there's a reason why he targets Gabriel Davis so much in the red zone because he's a big physical threat. He's a guy that can win 50-50 balls and contested catches because Stefan Diggs is always going to draw a double coverage here. And so Gabriel Davis, who had multiple end zone targets in four of his last five uh, final games, to me is a guy that, I don't know, we talk about this. You want guys playing with good quarterbacks and good offenses. Gabriel Davis is just 23 years old. I will tell you that I've spoken to a number of the coaching staff of the Buffalo Bills, and this was last year. This is a time ago this year. And they were all telling me, like, we think we got something in Gabe Davis. We think we found something here. Like, they were – they, they've been excited about him for quite some time. So this does feel like one where uh, the hype might actually justify the product. The production might actually justify the hype is the way I would say it. Yeah. I mean, occasionally as an industry hype, it's almost, we almost always overdo it. Sometimes we just do it right. And I agree with Gabriel Davis. It's justified. You know, I read fantasy football facts all day, quite literally. And I, I had would have never guessed the amount of targets left behind by Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley was 186. So go read Matthew Berry's 100 Facts You Need to Know Before the Season because I'm reading all day and somehow missed that. And yet it's my quick spiel is Gabriel Davis is just 
when given the chance, he's always succeeded. He forces his way on the field as a fourth round rookie, which does not happen for receivers very often. For whatever reason, they don't commit to him last year for a while. When they finally swap out Emmanuel Sanders for Gabriel, Gabriel Davis, he immediately kind of goes nuts, has one of the greatest playoff games of all time. And we had the athletics, Joe Biscalia on the podcast a few weeks ago. He said like Josh Allen and Gabriel Davis are kind of developing like one of those mind melds when like Josh Allen like needs someone to like yeah. freelance. It's like Gabriel Davis who's one who will freelance and get open. And it just seems like the stars are aligning for Gabriel I, Davis. Again, he had five games last year, only five games. To your point, Pat, he had five games last year, only five games where he saw five or more targets. It doesn't seem possible. I mean, the Bills got a good staff. I don't know if that's good coaching. (laughs) I'm not even done with the stat. Five games last year, just five games where he had five or more targets. He scored in four of them. Man. I mean, they're just saying, again, like, again, he was top five in end zone targets, despite being 98th overall in targets among wide receivers. Like, Josh Allen looks for this guy in close. Do we think Josh Allen is going to throw a bunch of touchdown passes this year? We do. We do. Who's he going to throw them to? I think a lot of them are going to go to Gabe Davis, who's going to be on the field a lot more. Especially, by the way, I'm not convinced Josh Allen runs as much this year, at least in close, as he has previously. You know, he's been a guy that, like previously, they've been like, yeah, we'll roll him out there. He'll dump through. He'll jump through the line. He'll jump over piles. Like he doesn't care. And now it's a little bit like, oh, listen, franchise, you know, calm down here. Why don't you, why don't you just, you know? So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, th- we're, I think we're both all in on Gabe Davis. We're not the only people all in on Gabe Davis, but that's just because occasionally something's undeniable. I think Gabriel Davis is undeniable. And maybe, I don't know, like so maybe he'll still finish as like a low-end wide receiver too. So maybe might, won't by the letter of the law return value. I just see no way Gabriel Davis is not like a high-impact fantasy player this season. And we'll be right back after this. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash grad admissions. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics. Because that's who we are. The NBC Sports Edge Fantasy Football Draft Guide is now available. Prep for your draft with the latest player rankings, projections, and more. We've got you covered for all league formats and draft strategies. It's powered by Rotoworld, world the premier source for player news and fantasy information. And for a limited time, use promo code DRAFT1 to get access for just $1. Matthew, you know, we said we were going to talk about Trey Lance, but as most people do, we got a little too excited about Gabriel Davis, so we're going to have to bag the Trey Lance talk, but... That's because we've got I'm in on Trey Lance. That's all you need to know. Two starts last year, almost 17 fantasy points per game. I'm in on Trey Lance as a sleeper. 
Bingo. And just just don't overthink a quarterback in the Shanny system. So another thing, or even if he's not good, he's going to be good in fantasy. And it, it's difficult to just don't overthink Trey Lance. But Matthew, you know, what can we look forward to on the Roto World Draft Guide special? I know so much, so much great content coming up. Just what can the people look forward to? Yeah, so Michael Smith and I are going to do it, and we're going to welcome in a lot of our experts. So Peter King has been traveling around to all the training camps. He's got a bunch of great inside scoops for you. Same with Mike Florio, who's been talking to a lot of his sources. He's got some stuff. Chris Sims going to come by, break down some X's and O's for us. We've got Mike, uh, we've got Mike Ryan, who was a head trainer of the Jacksonville Jaguars for 20 years. Um, he's going to help us out with some injury issues. But it's me and Michael talking fantasy uh, for quite some time, taking you through all the positions draft strategy, everything you need to know to dominate your draft. And you will dominate your draft. Michael Smith, by the way, knows his fantasy. Like You, you and Michael I, are going to do great together. He's won, he's won the War Room League twice, the, the famed prestigious ESPN War Room League twice. Uh, he, I've competed against him, traded with him uh, multiple times uh, for years and years and years when we were both at ESPN. He is a hardcore passionate insanely smart fantasy football manager no question yeah i'm ashamed to admit i had no idea what a fantasy junkie he was and apparently on the zero rb bandwagon so yeah michael he's a sophisticated fantasy guy excellent fantasy guy the roto world draft guide show with matthew barry check it out on the nfl and nbc youtube page and peacock matthew thank you so much for joining us we are so happy you're here and just so much great content thanks for joining us Roto Pat, uh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me and uh, thrilled to be a part of the team. Thanks for the kind welcome. Yeah, it's going to be an amazing year. So for Matt, I'm Pat. Thanks for listening. We'll see you later. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions.